This episode includes depictions of graphic violence, body horror, addiction, alcoholism, and epidemic. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of the Clericon. Today's episode combines features from a number of Irish and Celtic legends for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. This week, we continue our beastly bar crawl around the world in Ireland. The Celtic bestiary is wide and diverse with fairies, selkies, and of course, leprechauns. But wait until you meet the leprechaun's cellar-dwelling cousin. He hides in the dark, guarding and drinking your stores of wine, looking more like a household nuisance than a dangerous beast. But woe betide those who get between the Cluricon and his alcohol. This is Mythical Monsters Hard Drinking Horrors. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, the new Earl of Desmond inherits a manor and a monster. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. You're probably familiar with the Leprechaun, a short and wily being who fiercely guards his pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. While the Leprechaun is known for his green clothing, his cousin, the Cluricon, wears blood red. A Cluricon's cheeks are constantly flushed, his nose plump and purple. It's a merry face until you see it leering out from a dark basement. That's where Cluricons hang out, but they have very discerning taste. They take up residence in the wine and whiskey stores of only the most noble and affluent families in Southern Ireland. If you keep them happy, you may not hear from them at all. But when the cellar runs dry, misfortune is soon to follow. Sometimes it's simple mischief around the estate, sheep getting out, hens refusing to lay, cattle falling ill. If the offense is great, that sickness moves inside, infecting your whole household. And if you really offend him, the Cluricon takes more aggressive measures. He'll beat you within an inch of your life, if you're lucky. 
Colum never wanted to be an Earl, and for most of his life, he didn't think he'd have to. There were many Jameses and Edmunds and Theobalds before him, but they had all been killed by English Protestants. His family's estate and uncle's earldom had fallen to Colum by process of elimination, or execution, however you wanted to phrase it. Before the war, there had been no duties for him, no obligations or worries. He had cultivated a life of fun and frivolity, friends in the pub, a different girl every night. But now he was expected to sign accounts and greet people and appear at court when called. He didn't want to do any of it, but it wasn't up to him. His newly widowed mother had moved in to be his jailer. So Colum drank. He drank a lot. His mother begged him to slow down, but he reminded her that he managed the money, so he decided how much ale, wine, and whiskey they kept in the family cellars. Anyway, Colum worked hard. He needed to treat himself. Just like his uncle used to, he had loved the bottle so much, he sometimes slept beside the wine racks in the basement. At least Colum stayed upstairs by the fire. He was a sociable drunk, and that was all the difference. Or so the girls at the tavern always said. He could hear the tears in his mother's voice as she tugged on him late one night when he wouldn't get up from the dining table. I can't watch you do this. I know you miss your fathers and brothers, but it's not right. You're only hurting yourself. The servants are saying you go through a case of wine in a night. Colum waved his hand. His vision was so muddled, it turned into four hands before his eyes. I don't miss them. They never loved me. I was an afterthought. <gasps> A joke. His mother tried to get him to his feet. That isn't true. I'll not hear another word. But it was true. Colum's older male relatives had written him off as a drunken layabout, more interested in bedding women than expanding the family's wealth. His late uncle usually ignored him, preferring to discuss the estate's business with his cousins. Even with them dead and gone, Colum could feel echoes of their resentment in every account he reviewed. He spent evenings trying to make sense of his uncle's chicken scratch, calculating stores of grain and farmers' rent payments. He'd been left rudderless in an open sea with no knowledge of how to run his vast estate. Hence, the drinking. To make his point, Colum forcibly sat down but missed the chair entirely. He decided the floor was better anyway. The servants had done a very good job cleaning it. He should tell them so. Owen! He bellowed. A small boy with strawberry hair and a field of freckles rushed to his side. His apron was a little too large for him. Yes, sir? Colum reached up to pat him on the cheek. There's a good boy. You did wonderfully with this floor, you know. Much better than that layabout Seamus. Owen bowed his head at the compliment. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Seamus was Colum's butler, or had been. The man appeared to have run off two days hence. 
In fact, ever since he'd disappeared, Colum had heard whispers from the servants that strange things were afoot. One cow had been giving sour milk. The hen's eggs went missing before anyone could collect them. Idly, he wondered if Seamus had anything to do with the changes. Colum's mother pulled on him again, shocking him from his drunken reverie. Leave the boy alone. We should all be in bed. Colum jerked out of her grip. But we're not done, are we, Owen? I had a case of the finest whiskey brought into the cellar just this morning. Would you like some, Owen? Drinking is what makes you a man. Colum couldn't tell if the boy had nodded, but his head had moved a little. It might have been a trick of Colum's double vision, but he still took it as a yes. Well, there you go, mother. Owen will get me my whiskey. He and I will drink together, and you will go to bed. Owen rushed off for the kitchens. Colum's mother spoke softly. Let him sleep. You both need your rest. Colum rolled his eyes so hard it made him dizzy. Still, he felt his lids drooping. He was practically falling asleep on the floor when he heard a commotion in the kitchens. Pots clattered to the floor. He could hear the scullery maids yelling in surprise. Owen tumbled into the room, barely catching himself on the table. Sorry, sir. Sorry. I can't get the whiskey, sir. He looked in absolute state. Shirt untucked, knuckles torn, left eye already gone puffy. What happened to you? And where's my drink? Colum's mother shoved Colum's shoulder in disgust as she went to Owen. Oh, you poor thing. Did you fall? Owen's lip trembled. I can't go down there, sir. I can't. Colum squinted at the boy. It didn't make the duplicates of him go away. What's the matter? I just can't. Owen squeaked. Colum's mother pulled Owen close to her. Come along, dear. We'll get you cleaned up, and then it's time for bed. She stared pointedly at Colum. You too. And with that last admonishment, she was gone. Worthless, Colum grumbled to himself. He used the fallen chair to get to his feet. I'll get my own whiskey, since I have to do everything around here. He made his way through the kitchens, ignoring the whispers and stares of the staff. He was a man on a mission. The heavy cellar door moaned on its ancient hinges as it swung open. Colum grabbed a candle and headed down the narrow stairs. When he reached the bottom, he stepped in something sticky. Did that good-for-nothing pup break a bottle? He said to no one but himself. Colum took another careful step. This time, he heard the soft motion of liquid sloshing beneath his feet. It was dark and viscous, deep purple-red in the candlelight. He groaned. Oh, God, not the wine. He reached the bottom step. The liquid dripped off the edge and onto a larger pool on the floor. If that boy had dropped a whole case, he'd be expelled from the house immediately. Colum would make sure of it. But then something knocked against his foot. 
A human head, dark hair with a long, thin nose. Suddenly, Colum knew what happened to Seamus. He could feel the fog of the alcohol lifting as he considered what to do. He certainly needed to get help. Colum turned towards the stairs. The back of his neck prickled. He had the strangest feeling that someone was watching him. He knew something was waiting just outside the edge of the candlelight, something that could pull him down the stairs, just as it had Owen and Seamus. So he turned back slowly, carefully. A jolly laugh shook the inky emptiness in front of Colum. He puffed out his chest. Show yourself. If you insist, the darkness replied back. Soft, round facial features slowly emerged from the shadows, ruddy cheeks and a puggish purple nose, and the most horrible red-soaked smile. Welcome, new Earl of Desmond. I've been waiting for you. Coming up... Column shares around with the bloody mouthed Cluricon. The I 5 Strangler, the Southside Dentist, the Berlin Butcher. Meet the many faces of evil in the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers takes an in-depth look at the horrors beyond the headlines. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that left an indelible stain on history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Colum wasn't frightened. He'd had enough liquid courage to fight an army, but the drink had hampered his reflexes. When the round, ruddy face emerged from the darkness, Colum fell backwards on the stairs, only narrowly managing to protect his head. His candle flickered, but mercifully stayed lit. Who are you? Upon closer inspection, Colum saw that the face was smaller than a child's, but weathered like a man's. The wet, red lips laughed again. Noble men call me Leather Apron, and you, Earl, are a noble man. Colum winced. I'm really not. At least, I wasn't supposed to be. What are you doing in my cellar? Leather Apron looked perturbed. I've always been here. Didn't your uncle tell you about me? Colum paused for a moment. Had his uncle told him about a little man in the cellar? The two of them rarely spoke. Anyway, none of his relatives ever bothered to tell him anything about the house. I'm afraid he was a bit too dead to do so. Perhaps you can explain? Leather Apron bowed his head solemnly. 
Yes, I heard. A great loss to the House of Desmond. And your brothers and cousins beside. But this has brought us together. I love a man who knows his alcohol, and you certainly do. Let me put some more light on the subject. A tiny hand sprang forward and snatched the candle from Colum. Colum suppressed a yelp as the mounted candles in the cellar flared to life one by one. It didn't seem humanly possible, but Colum wasn't dealing with a human. Leather Apron sat down on top of a small table at the center of the room. He only took up about half of it, even splayed out. A scarlet hat sat on the little man's head. He was clad head to toe in crimson and purple, aside from the blood-stained cowhide apron that gave him his name. Colum couldn't help but notice. Do you work in an abattoir, Leather Apron? The little man smiled. Only when needed. He gestured around himself. This is my usual place of employment. Colum had never been in the wine cellar. Despite his uncle's apparent fondness for the place, Colum believed it was meant for maids and butlers, not noblemen. Still, it had a certain rustic charm. The rich woods of the racks and barrels were warm and welcoming. The air smelled surprisingly fragrant rather than musty. There was the slightest metallic tinge. Colum realized it was coming from a 200-year-old bottle of Merlot, which sat open and half-drunk next to the little man. But there was something else underneath, something sickly and rotten. Colum turned and remembered Seamus's body. The man's dark hair was matted with blood and brains. His nostrils were crusted and red, and his nose had swollen around a savage break before he died. He'd been beaten within an inch of his life, and then beyond it. Colum couldn't stop himself from asking, what happened to him? Leather Apron took a swig of wine. He tried to get into the whiskey, can you believe it? The lord of the house is whiskey, the gall. Colum didn't particularly care for Seamus, but he also didn't like the hypocrisy. And what do you call that bottle you're holding? Leather Apron took another sip. This is wine, Master Desmond. This is how it works. I protect your stores. You keep me supplied. You've kept me very well supplied indeed in recent months. For that, I thank you. A small flare of pride rose in Colum. Wait until his mother heard that the drain on the stores wasn't entirely his fault. That ought to shut her up. Still, it was Colum's wine, not his. Listen, Leprechaun, I don't need a drinking buddy. Shouldn't you check on your pot of gold or something? Leather Apron's eyes flashed. I am not a leprechaun. Leprechauns are selfish, money-obsessed fools. I'm a cluricon, which means I'm a booze-obsessed fool instead. <laughs> After his hearty laugh, he took another swig. When he realized the bottle was empty, he tossed it behind him. It broke on a pile of glass. The ruins of what might have been a hundred bottles lay there. Colum's mouth gaped open. 
This Cluricon wasn't just a nuisance, he was a menace. Leather Apron grabbed another bottle from the rack. Column stepped closer, reaching for it. As I didn't consent to your services, I thank you kindly and bid you to depart. He swayed, but he stood firm. Leather Apron tilted his head ever so slightly. The candlelight made his red cheeks shimmer. It is not for you to bid me go, new Earl. I'll follow this family to every house, every farm, every hovel. Even if you run this mess into the ground, I'm your Cluricon, and I can bring your family luck and good fortune. All I ask in return is a little bit of wine. I've not raised my prices in a thousand years, so you can't lower them now. Column was getting angry now. The pile of glass in the corner was twice as tall as this creature, and a corpse lay at his feet. It was time for Column to be the master of the house. Listen, you drunkard. This is my home and my people, and I'll not have a murderer and thief in my cellar. Bugger off. I will not! Leather Apron squeaked. You've no respect for legacy or tradition. It's deplorable. Column bellowed right back. You're deplorable. Get out of here before I get a priest. Leather Apron's brow was furrowed, his eyes dark. If you deny my right, new Earl, you will experience my wrath. Oh, please, Column challenged. I assume your wrath leaves less of a mess. Fine. Leather Apron huffed and disappeared before Column's eyes. The bottle that he'd been holding dropped to the floor, leaving blood-red wine and broken glass everywhere. Column stuck out his chin, proud. Firing a servant was always difficult, but he couldn't abide the ugly little man stealing from him. He made his way back up the cellar stairs, being careful to avoid the stickiness on the steps. When he reached the door, he called out into the kitchens. Girls, come on, I've got a mess for you to clean up. But no one answered him. The kitchen was frigid cold. The fire was down to embers. The youngest kitchen maid, a mousy-looking girl named Neve, sat huddled by the weak fire. What's the matter with you? Colum asked. She didn't look at him. She only moaned, watching the kettle suspended over the dying coals. When he yelled her name, she turned slowly, painfully. She was pale, her eyes rimmed with red. Her skin was covered in blisters, a swollen parody of Owen's freckled face. It was familiar and frightening. Colum reared back. Why are you here if you have the pox? Get out! He would have shoved her away if he wasn't afraid of touching her. She only moaned again, struggling to form words in her swollen throat. Afraid to breathe her polluted air, Colum ran from the room. He called out as he rushed through the house, Mother! Mother! The pox is here! But no one answered him. He rushed up to the second floor and threw open the door to her room. 
Mother, we need to leave. But the room was empty aside from two huddled lumps on the bed. Colum drew back the bedclothes. His mother was covered in blisters, leaking pus. She was holding a shaking Owen in her arms. He nestled against her, feverish. Colum's mother opened her bloodshot eyes as wide as she could. Yellow bile leaked from the pustules around them. Colum, what have you done? Colum felt an itch on his thumb. His blood ran cold as he looked down. A small yellow blister was forming along his lower knuckle. There were two more on his hand. He could feel the skin on his forearms tightening as more began to erupt. Colum's stomach reeled. It was all too fast. It had been less than an hour since he descended into the cellar and met the Cluricon. There was no natural way the pox had advanced this quickly. So this was the creature's wrath. The only way to end it was to apologize to Leather Apron, if Colum could find him. Coming up, Colum must appease the Cluricon before it's too late. Now back to the story. Colum's mother was dying of the pox, and he, in equal tragedy, was painfully sober. These horrible facts were his household spirit's fault, and Colum knew he needed to apologize and make it right. The problem was, Colum didn't know how to summon a Cluricon. When he was very small, his nurse had taught him that the hidden people gathered in fairy rings. She warned him to never step in a circle of mushrooms or flowers in the forest, lest they steal him away. He didn't think he could make a fairy ring, but perhaps he could create a summoning circle of the Cluricon's favorite things. Colum felt very silly as he arranged his finest spirits on the little table where the Cluricon had made his bed. Still, each time he faltered, he felt his skin itch. This was a matter of life and death now. Colum placed a candle at the center of the circle and lit it. He murmured a prayer, hoping it would reach the little man's ears. Leather apron, protector of my house and servant of my father's father, I summon thee. The candle flickered, but that was about it. Colum felt another blister forming on his neck. He opened all the precious bottles, a 300-year-old Chianti, a 60-year-old whiskey, and a 100-year cognac, all sat open to the air. Please, Cluricon, I'm begging you. But nothing came. Colum leaned forward onto the table, putting his head in his hands. He swore to himself that he would never touch another drop of alcohol again. Then he heard a familiar voice. You're gonna knock over the spirits, new Earl. Colum could have jumped for joy. Saints be praised. Leather Apron leaned against a bottle of brandy. No saints here, just your little attempt at a pagan fairy ring. <laughs> it's amusing and insulting, but amusing mostly. His eponymous apron had more blood on it this time, fresh. Have you learned your lesson? Colum nodded. 
I really have. Please restore this household, my household, uh, our household. Leather Apron brought his finger to his chin. I'll consider it if you'll play a game with me. Now, this was where things got tricky. One never wanted to play or riddle with the little folk. The mortal always got the raw end of the deal. But what else could Colum do? All right, name your terms. Leather Apron laughed. <laughs> How businesslike you are. We'll fix that soon enough. Leather Apron carefully pushed a few of the bottles to the edge of the table to make room. Now, as you might expect, this will be a drinking game, since you threatened to waste all these spirits in your summoning. Colum should have been happy. He was very good at drinking, after all. But he felt nervous. He wasn't supernaturally good at drinking. What do I have to do? Leather Apron placed the largest bottle in front of him. It's very simple, New Earl. Tonight, the world is topsy-turvy. Though this is your house, you must do as I say. Colum didn't trust the Cluricon, but all he could do was nod. Leather Apron grinned. There's a good man. Now, pour. Colum poured himself a large glass of wine. Drink, Leather Apron commanded. Colum obeyed. Colum had tasted this vintage before. It was full-bodied with notes of dates and honey. He smiled at the sweetness. He blinked as he looked at his hands. The boils were fading. His skin tingled with pleasant electricity. If this was the way to save his home, it needed to be in danger more often. He took another sip. He gulped in pain. This time, it burned, like steaming tea forced down his throat. He swallowed and tried to look jolly. Leather Apron matched him with a snifter of brandy. Again, young Earl. He poured from the bottle of whiskey this time. Colum wanted to protest, but he wasn't sure he could speak anymore. He was seeing double, then triple. The small, clear glass of whiskey shimmered in his vision like a flame. Again, said the Cluricon. Colum downed it. The whiskey was even hotter, boiling and scorching his tongue as it peeled the flesh of his throat away. He couldn't stifle the whine of pain that left his lips. Leather Apron paid it no mind. He poured another shot. Again! The glass shook in Colum's hands as he drank. His already pale skin was turning blue. His muscles stiffened, locking into place. Colum struggled to speak. Please. Leather Apron laughed. <laughs> yes, of course, New Earl. I'll pour you another. <laughs> How polite you are. He splashed the cognac into Colum's glass. Tears filled Colum's eyes. His vision swam from gray to pure white. The liquid stung his sore throat and burned in his belly. He was going to die like this. He could feel his organs shutting down, his limbs growing weak and heavy. He sputtered, no longer able to swallow. He was drowning in alcohol. The glass slipped out of his hand. It shattered on the floor. 
he heard Leather Apron laugh again. <laughs> there we go, there we go, that's a good boy. He clapped Column on the back. Column coughed, each breath burned. You did very well, New Earl. I accept your apology. I'll restore your household, though you'll have to clean up Seamus here yourself. Column tried to stammer out a thanks, but he could only croak. Leather Apron seemed not to notice. Now upstairs with you, you'll find your mother is alive and well. Column didn't have to be told twice. He threw himself out of the chair, crawling over the swollen remains of Seamus. Something burst when he tried to grab hold of it for leverage. He didn't care. He pulled himself upstairs. Leather Apron's voice followed him upwards. See you tomorrow, new Earl. Column paused. Whatever could he mean? Leather Apron grinned below him, his red face and glittering eyes like coals in the shadowy basement. Tomorrow night and every night we'll do this again. We're partners, you and I, he winked. After all, drinking is what makes you a man. The few recorded stories about Cluricons often tie directly to Irish noble families. The most famous Cluricon tale, Thomas Crofton Croker's The Haunted Cellar, is from 1825. It tells the story of the noble master of the estate whose butlers keep quitting after going into his wine cellar. The master gets fed up and heads downstairs himself to find a red-faced Cluricon. The little man is hospitable to him and only him, since he says he's protecting the liquor stores of this noble family and will follow them wherever they go. The master is forced to always get his wine himself if he has any hope of keeping a kitchen servant. The Cluricon is a very unique figure in Irish folklore in targeting the upper classes. Perhaps that's why he has such a particular relationship with his victims. He enforces the notion of noble families being greater than their employees and claims to work in their service. But he also demands the personal attention of the master of the house in a way that no human guard or servant ever could, bringing him low. So if you ever become a man of means, it might be best to keep your fancy booze in the kitchen or living room. Who knows what could be waiting down there in the dark. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another hard-drinking horror. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. 
This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Riche, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Their names have become larger than life. Their crimes, some of the most heinous in history. Their stories, examined each week on the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, journey past the headlines and into the minds and motives of the murderers who forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.